0: Thank you so much for being here today. I know you could be doing a lot of things. Um, Maybe you stayed up late watching football or maybe you were doing something else yesterday, uh, but you're here for a reason, for a purpose, I believe, that God has brought you here today. Uh, You might think it was your your husband or your wife or your friend who dragged you out of bed, but it, it was God. I believe that. I believe you're here for a reason, hear a very specific message, and so I hope that you are ready to receive uh, what God would have for you uh, here this morning. So self-care, that's what we're going to be talking about over these next weeks, this idea of self-care. It's a very popular term in culture right now, this idea of, of, of self-care. Um, I don't know what self-care looks like for you, but let me tell you, our society is all about it. Even that term of self-care, whether it's, like, staycations or it's an excuse to go to the spa or join, like, a yoga class or, you know, go get some smoothies or get your nails done or retail therapy, any retail therapists in here that are, like, I just need to go treat myself and get some get some new stuff, Um so here's here's my favorite thing about self care. Uh, if you've heard the expression, this is just if maybe you haven't, but this is just something in culture. It's here's here's what self care is, and this is what I've realized. Self care is just a virtuous way uh, to do all the things that you want to do anyways. Like it's just this way of we we package it and we we kind of wrap it into this and say it's all about self care. Um, you know, we want to, but but ultimately it ends up being just things that we really wanted to do in the first place, and so. Um, you know, so just I'm, I'm sorry. I've got to break my commitment because I need, I need to go home and put cucumbers on my eyes. And uh, and I need to just rest and relax because if I don't take care of me, then I can't take care of you. So you're welcome, really. Is That's kind of like how we phrase it, right? Like Like I need this massage right now because if I don't, I'm just cranky. Right? Like I need you know at least nine and a half hours of sleep or I'm just not myself. like self-care, like I just got to take care and listen, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself, but it, it's really we, we package it and do all these things. It's like a new virtuous way to do the things that we really want to do anyway. and, and, and biblically speaking, uh, that in my mind would be a little bit more like selfish care, okay if you will. but there are things that the Bible says that we as followers of Jesus should have in our lives to experience, true self-care. So for the next few weeks, uh, we are going to kind of walk through and look at some of the teachings as it relates to scripture about how you can better yourself and and experience a better self-care as it relates to your mind, body, soul, spirit, and rest in general. So we're going to kick this off this morning. I think it's gonna be really, really helpful. Are you excited to dig into this today? All right, cool. Like this side is. I don't know what's going on here. I'm just, I'm just kidding. We're, we're all ready. We're all ready. So uh, let me set the stage this morning with this question. Has anybody ever been to uh, a big city and ridden the subway? Let me okay, like, okay, good. So, so like most of us, many of us. Okay, cool. So, so many of us, New York, uh, D.C., Atlanta, they all have solid public transportation. Uh, but sometimes if you're not careful you can end up on the wrong side of the tracks and you might end up taking the wrong train going the wrong direction. Has anybody ever done that before? Excellent. Okay, so I'm in good company. I've been there. I've done that. Uh, you accidentally go south when you meant to go north. You take the gold line when you're actually looking for the red line, when you're actually looking for the gold line, but the gold line's actually broken. And so you have to, you were supposed to, so it's, it's a mess. Like we so we've all been there. We've done that. So what do you do in that, situ- in that situation? You're like, well, If if you're if you're on the wrong train, you realize you're on the wrong train, you've got to get off the train, right? Like you gotta gotta wait for the next stop. You gotta get off, and you gotta transfer and you gotta move on to the to the right spot. Because if you're on the wrong train, and and here's here's what I want to how does this line up with self-care? Was very similar to the idea that if you're on the wrong train, it's gonna take you to the wrong destination. So, so it's like that with our thoughts as well. The thoughts you have are not just like one and done. Like like I had this thought and now it's over. Like if you allow that thought to stay in your mind and and if you and, and if you continue with that thought, it will invite other thoughts like it in and it will lead you toward a destination. We even have a term for this. What's it called? Train of thought. <laughs> a little delay there. That's okay. Train of thought. So that's, that's the title if you're taking notes and you want to write something down. That's the title of the message. Our thoughts are not just like individual one-off thoughts. They're a train of thoughts. Um, and, and I really think that, that almost unlike anything else in your life, um, what you think about in your mind is going to impact the person you become. And so, so that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit this morning. So if you don't, if you don't have the ability to control the trains of thought that, that, that are trying to get you and the ability to say, hey, I need to get off this train and, and I, need to, I need to get off this train like right now because it's kind of making me freak out. It's kind of making me think things that I shouldn't be thinking. Uh, then, and I need to get on like that train over there because that's a good train. Then you're going to live a life where you're no longer in control. And, and we're going to talk this morning about what it looks like to control the mind. So, so really today is all about self-care of the mind. And so that's kind of where we're, where we're going over these next moments. And you guys know this to be true. The mind it can be so powerful, right? Like it can just lead you. Like it can just go. All of a sudden, one thought leads to another, that leads to another, and you've jumped on this train and you're heading toward a destination that you don't even want to be at. So what do I what do I mean by that? Maybe you're not sure what I mean by that. Here's some examples that <clears throat> I just jotted down. Maybe you can relate to these. Uh, here, here's one. I call this one the uh, "Step on the Web MD Train." <clears throat> All of a sudden, you have like a sore back, and you're like, man, what could this possibly be? And so you go on to WebMD, and you put in your your information, and you put in your, you know, you're the... You're the guy blob, not the girl blob. So you put in. You're the guy blob, and you've got this. You point to the pl- spot that's like ailing you. So you point to the back, and you put all your stuff in, and, and it comes up, and, and and you start reading through the list, and it's like, okay, it could be appendicitis rupture, it could be uh, a kidney failure, it could be cancer. Like every, c- uh, cancers, like just the it's on all of them. So sore throat, cancer, or like back hurts, cancer, and so you've got that. It's all in there, and you're like, oh man, that's not good. And all of a sudden, you're scheduling doctor's appointments because I need to go see a doctor because I think my kidneys are failing and things are happening and I have cancer, back cancer. I don't even know if that's a thing, but I think I have back cancer and that's how it happens. Our tra- the train just goes. Our minds are, are powerful. We start doing that. Or maybe it's with your boss. I don't know if you've been here before, but you, you send an email to your boss and you don't get a response. You're like, huh, no response. Interesting. I wonder if he got the email. Well, well, of course, he got the email. He couldn't not get the email. I mean, we work at the same company. It's not like it went to spam, right? He must have gotten the email. You know what? He must not like my idea. <gasps> he probably doesn't like me. I bet I'm next on the chopping block. I'm the next one to get fired. I need to update my LinkedIn profile. I don't even know my LinkedIn password. What is LinkedIn? I have to get a new job. The train of thought, it just goes. And all of a sudden, from one thought, and it's probably irrational, usually it's irrational, the boss is just like, oh, I was like out of town yesterday, right? It's like you lose your mind because you follow this train of thought. You start moving toward that train of thought. And, and, And it can happen in little ways and it can happen in big ways. Regardless, if you and I cannot learn the ability to get off of that train and onto the right train, then you and I are going to not only not have control of our thoughts, then we will not have control of the life that we're going to live. So, so f- for the most part, and I say this understanding right at the beginning that there are exceptions to this rule, but for the most part, your thoughts are in your control. And we're going to talk for the next you know, 20, 30 minutes or so about how you can step off that thought train. We want to talk about what self-care looks like in regard to the mind and how you can win the battle of the mind. So we're going to look at three principles. Uh, we're going to look at three different things that if you want to win the battle for your mind, you they, these have to be a part of the way you think. And so the, the first truth comes from 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, the letter to the Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul, formerly known as Saul. Uh, he wrote this book to the Corinthian church, and he lays out some of the things that they should do as it relates to thinking. And here's what he says. We're going to Start in verse 3. Uh, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Other translations say world. They just take that flesh out and they put in the word world. So, so let me just read it that way for a second. So for though we walk in the world, we are not waging war against... Uh, uh, waging war according to the world. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh or the world, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. The same word there for strongholds is the same word that's translated into the, the word prisons. Prisons. All right. So the things we fight with, and 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 he's really talking about the truth have the power uh, to unlock people from prison. So truth has the power to unlock people from from strongholds, from prison, and the prison from the prisons. Their decisions uh, have the decisions that they've made. The prisons can find themselves like creating. They can create their prisons in their own minds, and that's the power that we have in Christ. Anything, any train that we go on, any prison that we create in our own mind, anything that our thoughts can do, the power of the truth can break that open. Divine power to destroy those strongholds. It says this in verse 5, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion uh, raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive. Other other words for that, like if we were to just kind of expound on that idea of captive, arrest. Capture. So we, we capture every thought. We, we arrest every thought. We take control of it. It's the same word in the Greek translated there for, for arrest. Uh, uh, we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Paul says that as followers of Jesus, as it relates to the thoughts you have, you are to take every thought captive. You are to arrest it and make sure that it is in line with what God says, with what is true. And you use the truth to combat the lies that the enemy feeds you. We talked about the enemy just this last series. We talked about how he comes only to still kill and destroy. He is the father of lies, and he's going to send all these lies your way. And so you use the truth to combat the lies. The way you fight the battle of the mind involves taking captive the thoughts that you have and aligning them to the truth and getting rid of any toxic thoughts that, that are going on. And if you want to experience, like, freedom and really win the battle of your mind, you have to. Here's the first point if you're taking notes remove toxic thinking. You have to remove toxic thinking. You have to get rid of it. <clears throat> I think all of us came into this theater this morning and have had thoughts fill our minds that are toxic. I think we've all been there. Maybe we are there. They're not in line with God's word. And, and you have to capture or arrest those thoughts. Here's the thing, thoughts like that are going to pop up, like it's going to happen. They're they're negative thoughts, anxious thoughts, lustful thoughts, all different kinds of of, of thoughts. And, And God would say that those things are going to pop into your head, but it's your choice over whether you will dwell on them. As a believer in Christ, you grab those thoughts and you say, basically, like, I'm choosing not to dwell on you. We remove the toxic thoughts. Basically, we, we audit our minds and we evaluate as we, as we think about what we're thinking about. Hey, what is that thought? Is that from God? Is this what he would want me to be thinking about right now? And anything that's not, I'm going to remove that from my mind. So I want to talk about what those things are. But also realize that sometimes those thoughts are hidden. They're not quite as obvious. Uh, last year, I had the privilege to go to the master's uh, for, well, not exactly the masters. It was like the day before the masters. So it was like, went to the practice rounds and the par three tournament, but it was still incredible. And, and I, and I read up before I went on all the best practices, all the, like I went to Reddit and like Google and whatever, all the best practices of what to do at the masters and, 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 and what you you have to do when you go there. And and so I, I discovered that cigars are welcome at the masters. And, and so I excitedly, uh, the day of, you know, I packed my cigars and we took off for Augusta National. We get there. We walk like three miles in the mud to get to the entrance uh, through the parking lot. <clears throat> and, um, and, and we start the process of going through the security checkpoint. And so when it was my turn, I emptied my pockets as one does. I dumped everything out. And, and I carefully set down my cigars that I brought to share with the whole group. And, and we walked through with no problem. But my basket of stuff, like everything that I dumped out of my pockets, my basket of stuff set off the metal detector oh, no worries. You know, he brings me the stuff. No worries. It's just my cigar cutter. It's not a big deal. Only they said I couldn't bring the cigar cutter in. Cigars, fine. Big torch lighter, fine. Tiny little cutter, no go, right? Because they basically said like that's considered a knife. It has a blade on it, so it's considered to be a knife. And so I had to open and cut all four cigars, and then toss the cigar cutter in the trash before going in. It was a situation where Augusta National Security said, there are many things that can come in, but there are certain items that we're not allowing to come in here, whether they're hazardous or toxic or dangerous like knives and guns or, or things like that. We can't allow that in. The Apostle Paul says, when it comes to your mind, you have to be the security checkpoint. You have to be the one to, to not allow knives or negative thoughts or things that are not from God, things that are not biblical, things that are not true to come into your mind. You have to stop those at the beginning. And as soon as you identify those things, you're saying, I'm not going to dwell on these things. You, you locate it. You know what it is. I'm not gonna, here, here's why this matters for you. So many of the knives that you and I allow into our minds are a little bit like those hidden cigar cutters. Or, or or pocket knives that you didn't realize were there when you're going through TSA. I've also been there. It's it's kind of like that, like like these these things that you didn't even realize were there. In other words, uh, when you go through security, rarely is someone caught, and they're like, "Oh wow, I forgot I had that bomb on me." <laughs> like that's just not the way it works. You're like, "Oh my goodness, I forgot I had that little pocket knife in the bottom of my bag." And sure, throw it away. I'm good to go. Like. that's usually the way it works. And in the same way, there are toxic thoughts that you think every day that seem harmless. You may not even realize that you're doing it because it's so natural. And there are things that Paul would say, hey, friend, that's a knife and you need to confiscate it and you need to remove it from your thinking. Okay, You, you, you can't, I've realized this over the years and maybe you've realized this too. You can't always, you can't choose, all right? You can't choose all the different thoughts that are gonna pop up in your head from time to time. But you can choose what you're going to dwell on. So let me give you some of the toxic ones that that I've experienced, and I think a really common experience for for probably most of us. Has anyone ever found themselves not believing the best about someone? It's a toxic thought. When I'm going like, like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. They always do that. They're just kind of a bad apple. That's the type of person they just are. That's a toxic thought, Paul would say, that's a knife. And you've got to remove that from your thinking, you have to choose to believe the best. When you can't, you expose it and say, I can't believe the best right now. And you remove the toxic thought. So here's another one. Let me help you out church. Have you uh, found yourself obsessing over why you didn't get invited on on that trip or obsessing over you weren't why you weren't invited to like a dinner or something? It's a toxic thought. Paul, Paul would say remove it. Another one that could be common, have you ever found yourself living in, 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 a, uh, in what I would say is the, the what-if mentality? Which, which is really just fear, if you really like boil it down. The, the what-if mentality, it's like, oh my goodness, what if I never get married? What if my mom just doesn't recover? What if I lose my job? You're trapped on that. That that train of thought—that's toxic thoughts, toxic thinking—and so you have to identify it, remove it, and say, "I'm not going to dwell on that. This will not control me. I am taking control today over the thoughts I have." I wonder—is this helping somebody today? Or are you kind of resonating with what we're talking about? Okay, I just want to make sure it's helping at least one person. That's cool. Uh, another one: dwelling on your appearance, or 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 really wishing like you you like look like somebody else, like. When you're in the mirror, it's never that blatant, like, oh, bleh, it's you. Like, that's not how we look in the mirror. It's not quite like that. But, but it's just this, like, looming thought of, gosh, I just really don't like who I am. This toxic thinking, you have to remove it. Here it is, church. You're either going to take your thoughts captive, like he says here, or your thoughts are going to take you captive. I mean, that's really the long and short of it. You're either going to take your thoughts captive or your thoughts are going to take you captive And and here's the thing, no matter how hard I try to convince you, many of you today will not even believe me, all right? You can control the thoughts that you have. I I truly believe that with the power of of Christ, you can control the thoughts you dwell on. The world around us says you can't control it, and you're not in the driver's seat as it relates to, to, to what you think about. But I believe that the Word of God says, outside of very specific medically diagnoses, you can control what you think about. Paul just said it. We have to take every thought captive. It's in the word of God. It's doable. It's possible. I think somebody needs to hear this today because you've been allowing your thought train to run wild. Listen to me, church. You can decide here and today, my thoughts will not take me captive. I am am choosing and saying I will not be owned by this. All right, we're gonna talk a little more about, about what those things are and how we can experience taking control back from our thoughts. But let me just do this before we move on. Let's just audit uh, a little bit more of the thoughts that we have. Like, let's just audit this for a second. For all of us in this theater today, your thoughts, uh, you, you have these thoughts every single day that are shaping the person that you're becoming. They're they are shaping you into who you are. They're taking you to a destination, right? We said that at the very beginning. They're taking you on a destination. You're getting on a train. So let's just think uh, about the last 24 hours. I want you just to get in that mindset for just a second. Reminisce back on the last 24 hours. I wrote out three categories or scenarios uh, as it relates to the thoughts that you've had in the last 24 hours. So here's a question for you: Were the thoughts that you had in the last 24 hours were they uh, more worried at thoughts or peaceful thoughts? I'll give you a second to process. Were they more worried thoughts or peaceful thoughts? just in the last day? Were the thoughts of the last 24 hours, were they more negative or positive? Were you more prone to negatively interpret, to step on that negative train? And you understand this, when you step on that, that negative train, it just goes further and further down the negative track to the negative town with all the negative people. It just gets worse and worse. It, it just builds and, and builds and builds. Were the thoughts over the last 24 hours more worldly or eternal? I believe this. It is impossible to live a truly positive life with negative thinking. It is impossible to live an eternal mindset life with worldly thinking. And it is impossible to live a peaceful life Filled with anxious thoughts and anxious thinking. The Apostle Paul says you have to take those things captive. You remove every single toxic thought. For some of you, this means that you have to remove some of the things in your life that are fueling the toxic thoughts. Okay? There are friends that you have. Let's say that you struggle with anxiety let's say you struggle with lust let's say you struggle with you know whatever it is there are friends in your life maybe they're not here today in the room today uh maybe they're just in your life in general but they are not helping you get off the wrong train and get onto the right one in fact they're probably helping you stay on the wrong train okay they're they're like hey we're on the train to anxiety let's just feed off of one another we're on the train of jealousy. Let's just feed off of one another. We're on the train of gossip. Let's just feed off of one another. You have to make sure that you don't have people around you who are pulling you onto that train. The other thing is, is just like the things you're consuming, the, the things that you're consuming that are filling your mind with these thoughts, and, and those thoughts are a train that lead to a destination. What are some examples of that? Uh, there's so many. Like, I mean, we could talk about pornography. If you fill your mind with lustful thoughts then, then it, it lustful desires and acting out on those things, that's going to be the destination that you're heading to. of of being unable to experience what God's desire and plan for sexuality really is. If you fill your mind, there's so many like different things, and, and some of them are not even that blatant. Some of you might need to get off like social media, because every time you get on there, you're filled with thoughts about how much you don't have and how much someone else does have. You start reading into it. I can't believe that she posted this and said this and did this, and he went there and You're insecure about what you look like because she always posts these pictures in great outfits and he's always like at the gym, like every single picture he's at the gym. How's he have time for the gym so much? Every picture he's losing weight, I can see the weight falling off. And you need to, but you need to get off it because it's starting to change you. You're filling your mind with things that are distracting you and you need to take those thoughts captive. Are you still with me, church? Paul says in order to experience and win the battle in your mind, it has to include removing all of the toxic thinking, all of the toxic thoughts. The second step he lays out in Philippians chapter 4. Paul writes the book of Philippians from a jail cell. We've talked about this before. He writes out these words, and he's arrested for his faith. He's thrown in a jail cell. He's chained to a Roman guard, and he writes out these these words to the Philippian church. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul says, think about these things. Not only the stuff that we have to get rid of, there's things that we have to get rid of. We got to get rid of the toxic thoughts, but it's not just about getting rid of the toxic thoughts. We're we're going to uh, arrest that and and not allow that to come in in the name of Jesus. And, And there are also things though that we need to fill and dwell on over and over and over again. We need to rehearse and replay in our minds. And he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, uh, which is just like worthy of of worship, you could say heavenly. He says, begin to think about these things. Think about what is true. Think about who God is. Think about the truth that is contained in God's word. Those are the things to dwell on and, and not fill your mind with toxic thoughts. So here's the second point. If you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. Replace the lies with the truth. If you want to win the battle of your mind, if you want to win this battle that's being waged in your mind, it involves replacing the lies with the truth. I need to identify when I am beginning to believe a lie, wanting to get on this train, and I need to have others around me and, and really take the steps to replace the lie with the truth. It's not enough to just try to arrest the, the, the thoughts, the toxic thoughts, and push them out. We have to replace them with God's truth. And, and I just wonder, like, imagine what what your what your week would have looked like if everywhere you went every thought you had at work every every thought you had at home like you're sitting there you're taking you're at work taking customer orders you're making products or teaching kids or sweeping a floor or whatever it is you do for a job you're pushing your excel spreadsheets and the only things that fill your mind are like man god is so good i'm so thankful It's another day and I'm alive. God is for me. He put me here on purpose. He is at work in my life. He's going to complete the good works that he started inside of me. He's never going to leave me or forsake me. All of these things. What if these were the thoughts that were in our minds on a daily basis? I feel like I'm preaching a little today. Are you guys with me? I'm losing my voice. It's really going. Um, What if we did that? What What if we actually did what Paul said? What if we actually just latched on to all of these good things and we dwelled on those things? How, how filled with peace would you be? How unfrustrated would you be when a coworker interrupts you or does that thing that, like, typically annoys you? How much of your life would change? How much of your self-talk, like the things that you say to yourself, uh, would change if you really filled your mind with these things? Like, like, those are the things that I'm going to dwell on. Not that. Not that trash. No, thank you. I'm going to fill my mind with this good stuff, these good truths that God gives me. The Apostle Paul says, think and dwell on these things. There should be nothing else in your life that you dwell on. Listen, it may pop in, okay? It may pop in. You may think on it, but nothing you dwell on that is not found here. By the way, this is somebody's Bible, is this? I thought this would be a good opportunity. Any takers? It was left here a few weeks ago? It's just been chilling with me? No? Okay. There's no name in it, but it's a nice Bible. If anybody wants a nice ESV Bible, it's up here. Um, Listen, we, we need to dwell on the things that are found here, though. This is this is the good stuff. If if it's not found in God's word, then that's if it's not the truth that we see from the word of God, then we need to push that out. I don't know what lies you're tempted to believe that, that you need to replace with truth today, but I can tell you that it is life-changing when you realize that 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 the, there's these toxic thoughts in your in your head, and you need to make a shift. You need to make a change. I can tell you, one of the biggest ones for me is one that I've thought about like my whole life and it's something that I've struggled with even as, as, a, as a kid is the lie that says like Robbie you're never going to be good enough no matter how hard you try you're always going to fail because you're a failure you'll always be a failure you'll never be good enough you know what you can work really hard at, at, at being uh at, at being like good at work and you're going to fail with your family Or you can be amazing with your family, but you're going to fail at work. You're never going to be good enough. Listen, this is just some gut-level truth from your pastor here. I hope this is like a safe space I can express this. There's like this imposter syndrome, that this lie that creeps in and tells, tells me that I don't belong here. I don't deserve anything that I have, and it's all going to come crumbling down at any moment. Here's why this lie is so powerful for me. Because there's truth in it. I'm never going to be good enough. I am not good enough. I am not good enough on my own. There's a small bit of truth, but it's only the half truth. Because the Bible says that through Christ, I am more than enough. Through Christ, I have everything I need. Through Christ, when I am weak, if, if I am not enough, he is made strong. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, his power is made perfect in not enough people like me. So, so if that's where I am, like a fuller expression of the truth is what I need in the midst of that lie. Now here's what I know about you. The reason the lies that you're tempted to believe have power or or grab at your heart is that there's probably some truth in them. And 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 what you need to do is is not give some sort of like positive. Okay, here, I wrote out I wrote out a couple of these. Um, maybe the lie you believe is this. I'll always be single and alone. Maybe that's the lie you believe. And the reason why it's so powerful is because there's some truth there. The the reality is, is you may always be single and not in a meaningful relationship. That's the truth. But it's not all of the truth. The further truth is that God says that through Christ, you will have everything you need. He will supply all of your needs. He will never leave you or forsake you. If you have Jesus, you have never been alone and you will never be alone. You have the thing that will satisfy you like no man or woman ever can. Do you believe that today? What what I'm saying is, like, when it comes to combating the lies with with the truth, I'm not saying you just need to pick, like, a Bible verse and, and then hold on to that in times of trouble. You need to tell yourself the truth. I may have cancer. I may, but God has promised that He is in control and He is working for my good. He loves me. He plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Anything He allows to come through His hands is for my good and for His purposes. I can trust Him, or I can just worry about it and be anxious and fill my mind with toxic thoughts. You need to tell yourself the truth. I remember when Jen was struggling uh, through some anxiety and wild thoughts a a little while back. She wrote scripture all over our house, like on the fridge, on the mirror. She had a stack of note cards that she read every day to remind her of the truth that she really already knew. Because we need to tell ourselves the truth. Some of our kids and legacy kids did an activity a few weeks back where they had these cards that made a statement right? Like it had a statement on the front and it said things like, uh, it had had one that said like, I think it said like, just basically, you're ugly. And and the kids would say whether that was a truth or trash. And then there was like a scripture on the back. I said that one to Naomi. She handed me the stack and I just pulled out the first one and said like, you're ugly. And, And I said that to Naomi and she said, that's trash. The Bible says that God made me beautiful. We need to do that for ourselves. We need to tell ourselves the truth. What are some other ones? Um, I can't change. You 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 can't change. There's there's some truth there, but over and over and over, the Bible teaches us that Christ can change you, and He will if you surrender and walk with Him. Maybe the lie is, care about me. All right, I could stand up here. I wish I could stand up here and be like, of course they care about you. Every person with the spirit of God cares about you. It sucks to say it, but there's a possibility they may not care about you. But you can say, they may not, but you know what? I'm here to serve, not to be served. I'm gonna care about them. That's what I'm put on this planet to do, care for people. Listen, the choice is yours, church. You have to confront it with the truth from God's word and align it with the reality that's around us. Maybe the lie that you're believing is that your value is in how you look, where you work, and what you earn. I know a lot of us can struggle with that one. I've struggled with that before. And here's here's the truth. Your value is in where you work, how much you earn, and what you look like to the world. Let me say it another way. To people whose opinions don't matter. To people whose opinions won't last then then it then it matters and, and, and it's important. But your worth in the truest sense has already been defined by the God of the universe saying that I find you so valuable that I give my own life for you. That's how much you're worth. Come on, somebody. It, it has nothing to do with how you look, how much you earn, or where you work. The truth, the truth is not like, it's not to say that no, stuff doesn't matter. It matters a lot to worldly people who don't know Jesus. And, and every day you're gonna be bombarded with people who are like, this is what matters in your life. This stuff, these things, what you look like, how much you make. And you're gonna, you're gonna have to hold on to the truth in those times. Because it matters to them. But am I gonna let it matter to me? Am I going to let it define who I am? Or am I going to let Jesus and what he did on the cross define who I am? That's the choice that you have to make. I don't know what lies you're tempted to believe. I don't know what the lies are in your life. I don't know what the strongholds that you have to have truth in order to combat and demolish them are. But you need to know the truth. And when you confront those things, you'll experience, I believe, a very real freedom. And I believe this, I believe that every one of us can experience winning the battle of the mind if we remove toxic thoughts and we replace the lies with the truth. And here's what's encouraging to me. The more you embrace God's truth in the midst of a lie, the easier it becomes for your mind to run to that truth. Okay, I'm just talking about practice here. The more you practice, the better you get. All right, the more you you shoot free throws, then you get that muscle memory and you're good at shooting free throws. The more you embrace God's truth in the midst of a lie, the easier it becomes for your mind to then just run to that truth. In in, in these moments where I'm tempted to get on the train of anxiety, it becomes easier to go, no, God is with me. He's for me. I can trust him. He's in control. I've never had control. That's an illusion or a myth, to be perfectly honest. God loves me. I can have peace because everything is sifting through his hands and he is for me. The more I rehearse and ingrain that in my mind and believe that, the easier it becomes when I'm tempted to get on that anxiety train or whatever train it might be and instead run to the train of truth. The more you continue to renew your mind, combat the lies with the truth, the easier it becomes. This is, listen, this is how like neuroscience, this, the study of the brain, neuroscience, this is, this is how your brain actually works, We're just aligning it with the word of God here this morning. In Romans 12, it says, when you renew your mind, it changes the way you think. You create neural pathways, if you will, that make it easier to run to that truth every single time the more you do it. It weakens the power of the lie. It makes your mind less likely to run to that. Science is saying this is how your mind works. All right, finally, here's the third idea as it relates to winning the battle In your mind, this also comes from Philippians 4, where he says this, uh, Rejoice, have joy, be joyful in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And I read this, and I'm like, are you saying that joy is a choice, Paul? Like, I can just choose to be joyful. Are you writing this from a beach somewhere, Paul? Toes in the sand, corona in your hand, right? No. No. He's writing it with, with an armed man chained to him in a prison cell. How can you write that, Paul? He doesn't say rejoice in the circumstances. He says, in the Lord, always, in every circumstance, rejoice. The Apostle Paul would say that you have to choose joy. So here's the third one, refocus with a right perspective. What do I mean by that? I mean with an eternal Perspective. You can either choose to see the world around you with an earthly perspective and, and with today and with this is how it's always gonna be, or with an eternal perspective. The apostle Paul was able to choose joy because he maintained an eternal perspective. He said, No matter what the situation is, because of the truths I know, the truths that come from this, the, tr- the truth, the truths he kind of wrote, because of the truths I know, I'm gonna spend forever and ever and ever with God. And there's gonna be a day like 5 billion years from now that I'm gonna look back and the fact that I was chained in a prison cell to Rufus over here, like it was not that big of a deal. I can choose joy no matter what because I know where my hope is. And he would say, so can you, Legacy City Church. Whatever situation you're in, you have an opportunity to reframe it with the right perspective around you. Now let me further, listen, I know we're close on time and we still have to have a time of prayer, but but let me illustrate what I mean. To choose to see the goodness of God and the best in the scenario around you. The Apostle Paul, three chapters earlier, explained exactly what this looks like. In the first chapter of, of, of the book, he says in Philippians 1, uh, I want you to know, brothers, that, when, that, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I've already explained where he's at. You know what's going on. He's in prison. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident uh, in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear here, Paul says, I am sitting here locked up next to Rufus. I'm in chains. I'm thrown away. Most people would be like, where's God now? What are you doing, Lord? I'm so angry. This is terrible. You know what Paul says? He says, this is amazing. This is incredible. I have a chance where every eight hours I get a new guy. It's, estimated that they would change the guard every eight hours. And so every eight hours, I get a new guy. I have a captive audience. Literally, he's chained to me. He can't get away. I can preach the gospel to him all day long, tell him about Jesus. And now the entire imperial guard knows who Jesus is. That's what he says. Even in the midst of a circumstance where everyone would be like, dude, this is bad. Churches all over, like, we need to pray for him. He's like, this is great. One guy after another, after another, they're all coming to know, at least know about the Jesus that I talk about. He was able to refocus and see it with the right perspective. Even some of the worst moments or most mundane or trivial moments or frustrating moments, I can choose and I must choose to look for the goodness of God around me. What does this look like? Let me give you some practical examples. My car is in the shop. That's a bummer of a day right? My car might be totaled. I don't know what's going on. My engine's having trouble. You know the rigmarole. You know what goes on with cars. I can choose to be angry or I could choose to say, God, thank you that I even have a car. Like 2% of the world has a car. Thank you that I have a car that can even make it to the shop. Maybe you come home today and, um, you know, I don't know, your dishwasher's broken. You can either choose to be like, God, what in the world? I thought I was following you. I went to church today, and now I have to wash dishes by hand. Or you can choose to say, all right, my dishwasher's broken. I guess I'll have more time to listen to a podcast or a worship album or an archived Legacy City sermon as I'll wash these dishes by hand. <laughs> Just kidding. Think about it. Maybe, maybe you're sick. And, and your response is like, oh, I cannot believe I'm sick again. You know, I could say I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm sick, I'm always sick, I can't believe it. Or you could say, I'm, I'm sick. God, thank you for sickness because it reminds me to be thankful for the days when I'm not and when I'm healthy. Because of God, his promises are eternal. We have security no matter what we face in this life, and he's working for our good. You can choose to look for the goodness of God in every situation. Now, let me get a little deeper here. I know some of the things that I just described pale in comparison to things that you're walking through. I get that. I understand that. I'm not belittling any of those things at all, those circumstances that you're facing right now. So me talking about the dishwasher being broken, you're like, dude, my mom has brain cancer. You're talking, you're saying, Pastor, I don't have a job. My fiance saying I just broke up. My whole world just changed. And you're telling me just to change my perspective on it? Listen, I don't want to pretend that I know everything and every emotion you're feeling and everything you're walking through. I'm also not saying like, just be positive and everything's going to look up. I, like all of you, walk through things and hear stories and experience things in my own life where I'm like, like I can't see exactly what God is doing here. I'm not smart enough to know how you're going to redeem something terrible like this. You look at the news, how is God gonna redeem someone being like raped or molested or these murders or these senseless crimes? But here's what I do know. There will come a day where according to Ecclesiastes 3, where even the things in this life that don't make sense, we don't know what God is doing here. We will see everything be made beautiful in his time. Listen, that's what Ecclesiastes 3 says. The the truth, uh, that truth, along with the truth in Romans 8 that says that if you're a follower of Jesus, everything in your life is gonna be made to work for your good and for his glory. These are things I know. I don't get why the other stuff happens and I I can't even begin to tell you right now, but I do know those things. So here's what we're gonna do over the next few moments. We pause every week to, to take a break to, to pray as, as the body of Christ. And every week it looks a little different. Uh, sometimes we group up and we get in like groups and we pray together and over one another. Sometimes we pray individually. Sometimes we pray scripture. Sometimes it happens at the beginning or the end or the middle. And so today we're, we're doing it right now, sort of at the end of the gathering time. Uh, and we're going to have elder led prayer. So there's going to be elders on either side. They're going to come up here, uh, up to the front, and and they would love just to pray with you. They would love to, to talk with you. If you want to respond to this message in any way, they're down here for you. If, if you're struggling with something, if you want prayer for healing or, or if you've got a big decision to make or if you've got something huge going on in your life and you just want somebody to, to, to pray over you, then they would love to pray for you. If you want to talk about what a relationship with Jesus looks like and how you can put your faith and trust in him, please come and pray. In, in fact, um, let, me, let me put this out there. There have been at least like five or six people over the, the last couple of weeks that have made a decision for Christ and, and we would love to pray with you. We would love to celebrate with you and talk with you. The elders are going to be right down here, and they would love to do that. They want to come alongside you on and, and help you begin this Christian journey. For those not coming down to pray, here's what I'm going to tell you to do over these next moments. If you're not going to come down and pray, that's that's perfectly fine. That's okay. Um, but what I would love for you to do is to pray in your seats for God to move. Pray in your seats for God to move, for people to be saved, for chains to be broken, for burdens to be laid down, for lives to be made new. I would love for you just to pray for that. Even if you don't know the people's names as they come down, you don't know what they're praying for. They could be celebrating. They could be in the worst part of, you know, place in their life that they've ever been in. They could be praying for salvation. They could be praying for their kids. They could be praying for, um, you know, uh, a loose tooth, whatever. We don't know what people are coming down to pray for, but you can still pray for them. There's also communion in the back, and we'd love for you to to move toward that and take that if you so choose. So here we are. Uh, The elders are going to come. You guys come on down kind of split up on the sides, some of our elders, and uh, and we're just going to give you a few moments to respond as, as the Lord leads. If you want to come down and pray, come on down, grab a friend uh, if you need to, form a line if we have to, um, let's let God work over these next moments, so you move as uh, you feel led to.